Hello again and welcome to the Gospel to Boldly podcast, where we confess with St. John that these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We're your hosts, I'm Thomas Limke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown. Back at it again. I think this is only the second we've recorded in the, in the new year so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2016 hasn't been a, a full... We're, we're young. The year is still young. So Yeah. But good to be back together, back in and uh, getting into the Word of God. Anything uh, brilliant or insightful before we dive on into... <laughs> I think we'll be at John 10, verse 31. 31, yeah. Last time we, we had just hit uh, the fact that Jesus said, uh, the Father and I are one. And then now we get to continue on and pick up at that uh, critical juncture. Okay. Now, just as a reminder where we've been, we've just had, I am the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's a good thing. Oh, yep. and and, and uh, what do you say about yourself? Well, you know what? I and the Father are one. So, I mean, Jesus is really going heavy on the the, the whole I am theme, right. which is actually going to be our Lenten Advent. Uh, yeah, our Lenten Advent theme here up at... Uh, Trinity Lutheran Church in Hersher. We're going to look at at five of the I am statements. We did that in La Homa here a couple of years back too, right? Yes, we did. <laughs> it, it was a uh, rotation, so so that's I true. only had one of the sermons, but like, oh, hey, that's a good one. We'll uh, we'll, we'll do that one again. And um, but this should have been a a high water point. The this should have been the confirmation that yes, I am the long-awaited Messiah. I am here. This is good for you. And you know what? I'm the good shepherd and I've got everything under control. Should have been fireworks and celebration and well, they didn't have champagne then, but pop the bubbly and all <laughs> that good type of stuff. And what do we get? Just read verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Now Let's just ponder the beauty of that sentence. First, they pick up stones to stone him in the temple, mm-hmm. ready to take him out on holy ground, ready to defile the temple. They're so livid. Mm-hmm. Again. Remember, they tried one time and he disappeared and they couldn't get him. Right. So so this is, this is they already show this won't work, and yet we're going to try it again. Mm-hmm. And so it really is just a... Uh, uh, a mind-bogglingly, mind-bogglingly, <laughs> man, that's a nasty word to say. It is a really funny sort of stubborn wickedness, blah, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, now, this time, though, they're picking up stones, and Jesus doesn't just run away. Before he runs away, he decides to talk. If you would... <laughs> If you would take uh, verse 32. All right. Uh, Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? So are you going to stone me because I gave sight to a blind man or or fed the hungry or or any of the other things? So so what's the good thing you're going to stone me for? What what good deed are you not going to let go unpunished here? So it really is just a, a, okay, guys, think about this. I'm being patient with you all. I'm going to try and teach you. Um, what are you going to stone me for? What What's the rationale? What Look look at what I've done. We've been discussing. You asked what signs. Well, here, there's my sign. So what you're going to, what you're going to get me for? So, 
if you would go over their response? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Oh, okay, well, well, you might be doing some nice stuff, but you're blaspheming. Uh, what exactly, how exactly are they contending that he is blaspheming? Well, the I and the Father are one statement clearly makes him out to be, as the Father is, deity, true God of true God. All right, so so this would be blasphemy then. All right, so now it's interesting how he responds. Uh, read his quote. Okay, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? All right, pause there. Jesus is going from a a lesser to a greater type of point here. He quotes here Psalm 82, I believe. Yes, 82, where basically... Uh, well, here, let me let me flip to Psalm 82 so I can read it. Let me bookmark my page. Again, wonderful production on this show. <laughs> so, uh, oh, 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 I went too far. Ah. So, a, Psalm 82 is one of the more people go back and forth over who is it. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. And it begins, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. This goes to, oh, and then verse 6. I said, you are God, son of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. <clears throat> One of the things that this that, that Psalm 82 points out is... Um, really the, the seriousness of vocation. Um, when we respect those God has placed an authority over us, we are in fact showing respect to God, mm-hmm. right? right? Or, uh, or if you want to say, if when we show care to someone who needs care, we're showing care to God. Whatsoever ye have done to the least of these, my brethren, ye have shown it unto me. And so one of the things God basically says is, all right, you princes, I've put you in the position I would have if I were running around. Because, you know, if I were actually running around like a human being, like one of you, I would be the one who would, by rights, be king. But since I'm not running around there on earth at the moment, I'm letting you be. You are in my position, as it were. You are gods, as it were, by virtue of your office. And, uh, what you doing? So, now, Jesus is claiming something more than that. He's saying, I, I, am, I and the Father are one, much higher, much, uh, a much more profound thing than just rather filling in an office, mm-hmm. as, as Tom with his anti-Unitarian, uh, anti-Jehovah's Witness, well prepared to defend the, gospel, the, the deity of Christ, knows, correct? Right. But Jesus is saying, look, even in the Psalms, you have a way in which one can refer to himself rightfully as a god and not be blaspheming. Mm-hmm. So the simple fact that I, I, I claimed that status doesn't mean I'm <laughs> blaspheming. Your, your argument is baseless. So it, it's just a—so so, so even if I'm not really 
divine, but rather I'm just holding a divinely appointed office. That would not be blasphemous. But if I am divine, as I claim, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> so, so do you say how that kind of makes sense? Sure. It, 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 it's, even if we're going by the technicalities, you're wrong on the technicalities. Because technically, 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 you know, you could say, uh, Herod could say, I, I am a god. Now, if he demands worship and stuff, that would be off limits. It's mm. no, no, I—that—that's I, I, not what Psalm eighty-two is pointing to. It's I—I'm I, in the position, and and thus you should show me respect and all that. But, right. but, but, but let's put that technicality aside. Um, you can't argue that I'm blaspheming for using that phrase when the scriptures use the phrase, unless you want to accuse the psalmist of blaspheming, and then we have a slight problem there, don't we? So, all right. So if you want to continue 38 through uh, 37 and 38. Okay. If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. If you can't wrap your heads around what I am preaching, if it is too big for you, if you do not believe, then look at what I've done. And trust that maybe I know more than what you do. Don't let your ego get in the way of what's going on. Don't let your pride, don't let your pride mess with you. Rather, look at what's going on. Look at what has happened. All the signs given in your word are being fulfilled. Recognize what's going on. And then you know what? If I say something that, that's too hard for you to comprehend, just go with it. Because you know what? I'm speaking divine truth. Now, this is something that we would do well to remember today, too. Um, one of the things that, that, as Lutherans, we tend to love is the idea of paradox, of tension, of, of things being bigger. For example, Thomas, what is the Lord's Supper? Well, the Lord's Supper is Christ's body and blood, and the Lord's Supper is bread and wine. How in the world does that work? <laughs> and I, I, I'd actually argue the, the proper theological answer to that is beats the tar out of me. That's fair. <laughs> um, is Jesus God or man? Yes. How does that work? Beats the tar out of me. I, right. th th this is intellectually above my pay grade. How does the Trinity work? Well, you have one God and three persons, and three persons and one God, yet there are not three gods, but only one. And, yeah, okay, I'll confess it. Do you ask if I understand it? No, to say I understand the Trinity would be, it is beyond the ability of me to wrap my hands around. And you know what? I feel no shame in saying that. Because you know what? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not a dumb fellow, mind you, but, but the internal existence and state of being of God should be above my ability to comprehend. I mean, think about it. If I had a God that I could comprehend fully and understand every little nuance of, that'd be a pretty pathetic God. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can't even figure out half the video games I play. I want my <laughs> God to be at least more complex than a video game, so... Actually, I developed good strategy. Anyone play Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes? Give me a message on Facebook. I can friend you. So, nice. Um, any other uh, thoughts there? Uh, not yet. Not yet. 
Then let's do that, that last verse in the paragraph, verse 39. All right. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He preaches, he teaches, he, he tells them what's going on, and yet it's still that same reaction. Why? Because if they admit he's from the Father, they have to admit that they've been wrong. And we don't want to do that. We never want to admit that we were wrong, and so they decide to press on and carry on. This is what you get. You have the option of you may repent or be repented, or you carry on in denial, content to do what you've been doing and digging yourself deeper, deeper, deeper. Thomas, you ever dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole? Ask my wife. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask it that directly, but I... <laughs> well, yeah, all right. Hopefully you guys are not masters of digging yourselves into holes, but we'll carry on. See you guys after the break. All right. And we're back at the Gospel Boldly podcast. And I, I realized something during the break, Thomas. Okay. My my Bible had an interesting fold. Yeah. And I didn't realize we were like three sentences away from ending the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> when we went to break. We are. Be- because the, the very top corner was hidden, so I didn't see that it was a new chapter start. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, this just keeps going. And, oh, yeah, end of a chapter. Oh, well. Does, chapters are arbitrary additions to the scriptures. As so are our, uh, our, our show breaks. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting note. I, I remember when uh, the newest Martin Luther movie came out a few years ago with yeah. uh, with uh, Joseph Fiennes in it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was, and... Um, one of my prophets, ah, it was terrible. They had Luther quoting chapter and verse. They didn't have verses yet by that time. Martin Luther did not know hmm. verse 16 of John 3 was for God's of the world because they hadn't developed the verses yet. Interesting. They just cited the chapter. When did that come into being? Uh, I want to say around 100 years later. But I'm not quite sure. I suppose it makes sense with the advent of the printing press. The the organizational system makes sense to be added at that point in time. Right, yeah. Well, actually, I don't even think it was 100 years later. I think it was was after his lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I think before the King James. Plausible. Cool. Okay, so I have a question. Okay. or, Or maybe an observation that I will ask you to comment upon. Which is, there seems like there's a, a deacceleration here. Um, when it says in verse 39, they sought to, again, they sought to arrest him, but, but he, uh, he escaped from their hands. Before it was they were seeking to stone him. Now they're just seeking to arrest him. So um, is there a, something we should take away from actually, that? Actually, I think there might be some parallel because earlier they, had, they remember the yell of the guard because they weren't able to arrest him. Mm-hmm. Um, the stoning is not just mob justice. But it would have been, it was the the assigned legal penalty. Mm-hmm. So when they pick up stones to stone him, it, it, it's not just we're going to form a mob and riot. It is we're going to do this legally, which is the officials will arrest him and drag him out, and then we'll go stone him. I and, see, and that'll be that'll be happy and and yay and so so it, it's. Maybe it might be a slight toning down. It might be, okay, well, maybe we should just be happy if we arrest him and we can ponder this for a bit. And then he, he ducks out. Right. Urgh, curses foiled again. And <laughs> so does that track yep. work, follow, make sense? Sure does. All right. Okay, if you would read then 40 through 42. Okay. 
He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. So we get that contrast. We get the contrast between the proud of Jerusalem who have abused the temple, who, who think their, their actions of the temple demonstrate how righteous and great they are, rather than remembering that the temple is to be a house of prayer, a place of forgiveness. Contrasted with those who'd gone out to John. And why they gone out to John? For a baptism of repentance. Mm-hmm. And so you get this contrast between if you are confessing your sins, you see Jesus and say, wow, this is super awesome. If you are worried about your place on the totem pole, you're really ticked off at Jesus because he's taking a higher place than you are. Mm-hmm. I, I'm quite happy with my position of this company. I'd like to get a little bit higher, and I'm not going to let some new punk from Nazareth just come on in and take a job spot above me. Harump! <laughs> get back down the corporate ladder. Uh-huh. So, you look like uh, you are searching for something with semi-diligence there, Thomas. Well, I am, and uh, I cannot remember the, the exact reference. Uh, that is, Scripture speaking, like uh, the, the, the reference point, chapter and verse, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but there is, and this reminds me of it, um, a spot in First Samuel where David has gone out uh, fleeing from Saul, who mm-hmm. wanted to kill him in much the same way as the authorities are trying to kill Jesus in our current text. And uh, he, he finds himself holding up in a cave, and it says, and I again, the reason I'm looking for the the reference in particular is... 24 or 25, probably. It's, right around, maybe 26? It, no, I don't think 26 is too far back. I think I think you're probably in the ballpark there. Um, 25 is in the ball, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it would be actually a little bit earlier, I think. Here we go. In uh, 22. Oh, okay. Uh, it says, uh, David departed from there, that is, from, uh, from Gath where he'd been, uh, and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. I don't know. I just see a parallel here with that. It just kind of flashed through my mind as you were talking there. Well, what's interesting about that is um, a few chapters later in Samuel, um, Nabal, who is the rich man who David asked for a favor and Nabal, which means fool, right. turns around and insults him. Um, basically points out that David's leading a bunch of brigands and undesirables and mm-hmm. the, the, the scum of, of the area. Now, there is a good parallel. Um, we would think that it would be the, the good, right upstanding folks of, of the kingdom who would be acting well, but really, no, David, David leads the scum and the scum act more honorably than, than, the, the troop of, of Saul does. Mm-hmm. And so I do think, I think you can get kind of a parallel. It is a, a, a topsy-turvy, not what you'd expect. Again, this is one of the things where you'd expect the people in Jerusalem to be the better ones. You, definitely not the people across the Jordan. No, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, that, that's not even fully in the promised land. Right. I mean that. Okay, maybe it's like the promised suburb, but it. <laughs> we should be we should be on this side of the Jordan. Not ah. Oh. So there there is a lot of uh, disdain that would have been for those folks, 
and yet they're the ones who receive with joy. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Cool. Cool. Then uh, chapter 11. Hey, we're into, we're, we're into a new chapter. Yeah, all right. This will, this will be good. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus, uh, Lazarus, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Uh, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the, uh, the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, interesting, because remember, Jesus is across the Jordan doing all these great signs, and people are believing him. He is helping everyone out. And now, a friend. Back at Bethany. Now, mm -hmm. where is Bethany? Just outskirts of Jerusalem. <laughs> it's right over the hill, literally. Yeah, yeah. And it's on the, the Jordan side. So, I mean, he wouldn't have to go all the way to Jerusalem or through it. I mean, but, but it, it, he could get there. And yet his response is, the point of the illness is not death. The point of the illness will be the glory of God. Mm -hmm. The Son of God would be glorified. There's always a bigger picture going on. And, and we do not see all the ends of what's going on, what's going to be accomplished. But Jesus says, oh, no, I'll just wait for a bit. Yeah, he, he's ill. Even though they sent for me, which means it's probably pretty bad, I, I'm going to wait a bit. Okay. All right. All right. Biding his time. <clears throat> now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you were going there again? Now, here's the interesting thing to note. Sounds like the disciples think going back at all is a bad idea. Because, mm -hmm. again, they're thinking very pragmatically. Okay, on this side of the Jordan, no one wants to kill you, Jesus. I mean, I know we're not going to go marching around in Jerusalem, or so we think, but, but still, Bethany is a little close, man. I, I don't know if we want to go there because someone might get an easy cheap shot in. Right. All right. So there's this this giant hesitation. Their their concern is certainly not for Lazarus here, but he had waited two days, and then, all right, now we'll go. Jesus answered, "Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world." But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus, who had spoken of his death, but they thought, uh, or now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was taking rest in sleep. This is a, a point where, where John lets his sense of humor come in. Okay. Because, I mean, when you think about it, this is really kind of funny. It, it's, oh, oh, he's asleep, so he's he's going to get better. No, 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 no. Guys, he's dead. But 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 you said he was asleep. <laughs> so, so it's sort of one of these, these yeah, he, he told us what was going on, and we just totally didn't get it. Once again... 
being the disciples that we were, we were totally clueless. <laughs> we, we, we didn't even want to go, oh, he's falling slow. We certainly don't need to go. He's going to get better. Yeah, euphemisms so, are lost on the on the disciples so, at this point. It was just one of these, uh-huh. And that, you get it? Oh, oh, your namesake's going to pipe up again. All right. Yeah, that's true. Go, go read through 16. All right. Uh, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, what do you make of uh, your namesake's uh, observation there? Um. Well, number one, he's, I guess, concluded in his mind that this is it. This is the end for Jesus. There is no question what will happen if he goes back at this point. We're all going to get killed. It's done, man. Ah, well, might as well jump on in. Yep. So so one of the things to bear in mind with this whole thing with Lazarus, because, okay, I, I don't think we're going to spoil it. How much time do we have before the break? Uh, about two and a half minutes. Okay. Now, now we, we might not get there today, but Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Okay, that, that, that's one of the things that's coming up overall the whole chapter. Uh, you know, well, he's already brought that up. I go to wake him up. Right. All right. So, so. But you get this strong contrast between life and death. And one of the things to remember is it's not just the death of Lazarus. The disciples are expecting their own death. Mm-hmm. They're expecting Jesus' death. But when they expect Jesus' death, they expect it to be a death that is a defeat. A, a destruction. That's it. Things go bad and poorly. Now, are we going to get very shortly after this Jesus' death? Yes, very shortly. Thomas wasn't too far off because when Jesus goes to Bethany after Bethany, where does he end up going? Back to Jerusalem. <laughs> and once he gets to Jerusalem, it's all downhill or uphill if you're talking about Golgotha from there. Right. Right. So, I mean, Thomas sees it rightly, but he doesn't get the fullness of what's going on. Just as Jesus goes to to Lazarus to wake him so that he would show his glory, so too Jesus will go to his own death so that he would awaken himself and rise and show the Father's glory. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're getting all this this playing out just beforehand, and, and the disciples get some of it, but they aren't getting the full picture yet. So... Any any thoughts before we uh, head on out to break them there, Thomas, or or just on the uh, the setup for uh, for Lazarus? I think well, given the time we have, the setup is is probably the best way to go. Um, as we come across, we'll get to the uh, Inquisition, and after that, hopefully, at least get Jesus into Bethany well enough to uh, set up for the next episode. Let us send the people into break that we might break with them. <laughs> begins the Inquisition! The Inquisition! What a show! The Inquisition! Here we go, we know you're wishing that we'd go away! But the Inquisition's here and it's here to stay! Oh boy! The Inquisition! What a show! The Inquisition! Oh! 
And we're back to the Gospel Boldly podcast, and now we are going to get on with the Inquisition, because when there's torturing to do, there's no point dilly-dallying around. <laughs> All right, Thomas, which of us are going to be tortured first? Which of us are going to be put to the question first? You know, I don't have a coin to flip, so I will just say, why don't you go first? All right. So, Thomas... I have seen various things just in in Facebook or what have you, and, and I've seen a little bit of, of self-esteem talk going around again. Okay. The, the, the value, the importance of self-esteem. Mm. And yet a lot of times when we see self-esteem, it seems to be utterly detached from anything. Just that whoever you are, you should feel you have great worth. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that as a Christian? In what way is that right? In which way is that wrong? What does the world focus on? What do we in the church focus on? What is truth? So, okay, is that nice and open for you? Yeah, I can do tons with that. Um, from a theological perspective, you know, we can all, with with Paul and, and the psalmist, say that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and and that uh, no one searches after God, etc. In other words, we're all sinners, and we're all rubbish. I think. Uh, Martin Luther said, we are like, isn't it snow-covered dog poop or something along those lines in, in, in Christ? Could, could have been. <laughs> who knows who said that one? My, sounds like my, Luther. Sounds like something I've said, too. I can't remember if I was quoting Luther when I said that. Um, <laughs> A snow-covered turd, I believe, is the... But, but, but that hurts my self-esteem, Thomas. That doesn't make me feel good about myself. Yeah, that's, that's the, the rough thing. So... When, when it comes to esteem, there, there is a sense in the worldly sense that of, hey, I've accomplished something of, of worth. I have helped my neighbor. Ooh, and now we start to get very closely back into the theological. I've helped my neighbor. I can feel good about that, good about doing something for my fellow human being. That builds my self-esteem. I think where that goes too far from a theological perspective is when it ekes into the uh, I'm good of my own merit and works as opposed to I'm I'm walking in the good deeds that Christ has prepared beforehand for me to walk in. And so when we get Christ's righteousness confused with ours from a self-esteem perspective, uh, things can get wonky. Where does my value come from? Does it come just intrinsically because I'm me, or does it come from outside of myself? Yes, that's the root. And I would say you are created in the image of God, the image and likeness of God. So there's part A, esteem. And then God died to preserve and protect that life in his image, which part B, there's, there's that esteem. So in both cases, from outside of you. So therefore, you can't ever be mean and tell me I haven't done a good job because Jesus died for me. <laughs> so don't you tell me that I've done poorly and that I can do better on my homework as a young child in five years. Oh, oh as we'll hear. I, I think Does that, that would, fly? No, that would be a confusion. There's probably a proper term for this, but that would be a confusion of, <laughs> you stick your tongue like you have it. Uh, that would be a confusion of uh, the, the righteous placement. It, it is, we are saint and sinner, mm-hmm. and the sinner within us still sins as long as we draw breath in this life. So to uh, dismiss that in favor of focusing on the saint that we are in Christ is a, uh, just as much folly as, as dismissing the, the saint aspect as well. Okay. It's kind of back to that tension, I think, that you talked about. Although there, there is a very clear line of delineation, I think, that can be drawn. Yeah, if you, 
lied to your teacher about the dog eating your homework that was something you did in your sinful flesh and therefore should be reprimanded justly for. (laughs) In, In terms of our relationship with God, we don't need any pride. In terms of our relationship to our neighbor, we should have some some sense of accomplishment for things that we have done well. Mm-hmm. But the important thing isn't, oh, I have a sense of accomplishment. The important thing is I, I've served my neighbor well. So uh, my goal is to not puff up your, your esteem of yourself irregardless of whether or not you've helped your neighbor. My job is to encourage you to, to show love to your neighbor and then hope you feel good from that. Mm-hmm. This is one where we can often put the cart in front of the horse. So sure. I just saw a really funny Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, uh, do share. I probably know of it. I think a, I've read every one. It was where he's talking to his teacher and saying, you know, you gave me bad grades and that hurts my self-esteem. <laughs> I remember that she one. She says, well, work harder and don't get bad grades. And then a blank one. And then you're denying my victimhood. It's hurting my self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's why I asked the question. All right. Love it. Now. You better not hurt my self-esteem by asking this question, Thomas, but go ahead and ask it. All right. Very well. So my question, we have uh, listeners, uh, I think many. We do? Who are, well, fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> those, those who are of a younger age and maybe thinking about as they embark on their adult lives, what they will want to do with those lives in terms of career aspirations and, and so forth. So... I would, I would just ask you to comment on this. You have maybe, I, I suppose, a, a break that you could, you could qualify. Um, option A, option B. Option A is the path of the ministry and being engaged in, uh, for instance, what, what you do, which is the pastoral office, or maybe a deaconess or something along those lines. Option B, that is a, a church career. Option B, maybe something like, I don't know, a, a pharmacist or a or a uh, textual scholar studying Tolkien, for instance. When you consider uh, that kind of choice that one of our, our listeners may be having to go through, how would you guide them in making that decision for their, their life and their career? One of the things to remember is <clears throat> I, James has it where we shouldn't say, I'm going to do this. We should say, if God wills, mm-hmm. I will do this. We talk about things being vocation. My vocation is my my. I have many vocations: father, husband, pastor. Uh, now, now, corresponding to my vocation of pastor, what is your vocation, Thomas? Uh, car salesman currently. Woohoo! Was that your vocation a year ago? Uh, no, it was not. I had to think yeah. a year ago. I don't even remember a year no, ago. No, 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 no. You were still you were still healthy a year ago. Um, I, I was thinking about this today, actually. If you had walked up to me, because really it was probably right around 20 years ago where I, I, I said, no, I'll just go straight to the seminary. If you had asked me 22 years ago, would I be living in Hersher, Illinois as a pastor? I would have said, no. Okay. <laughs> Not going to happen. That, that, that is not my intended course of action, thank you very much. And God funneled me to where I was supposed to be because he's the one in charge of things. If I had asked you five years ago, Thomas, are you going to be selling cars, would you have said yes? <laughs> I'd have fallen off my chair laughing. But, but are you there now? I am. Is God using you to, to serve your neighbor through that vocation? Yep. 
Is it a good thing? Absolutely. So one of the things that I the, – the biggest piece of advice I will give, relax. We, we, we'll come across the guidance counselors and stuff like that in high school. What are you going to be? I, I went to my, my 20th high school reunion, uh-huh. and it was fun because, oh, I don't know, like maybe 10% of us were what we thought we were going to be leaving high school. Nice. And, and in fact, I think the one guy who was still in the military, military grumbled most about being in the military. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm still in. I can't wait to get out. Nice. <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> we make our plans, but we'll end up getting opportunities. We'll get things that are too good to pass up. God will move us into a variety of places where he will put us to use. And, and, we don't have to figure that out. We don't have to try to anticipate, oh, do I really need to do this or do I need to do this? You know what? Go go train your skills that you have, train the talents you have. And when it comes time to make a, a choice, okay, do I do I actually just go to the seminary or do I well act, oh I'll give I'll give my example from history. Okay. I had been debating while I was in college about whether or not I was going to go and get a degree, a doctorate in Japanese history or East Asian studies first, mm-hmm. or go straight to the seminary. Because part of me wanted to hedge my bets, because I know a lot of times pastors don't get well paid, and I thought, you know, if I, if I have a PhD from Harvard, I, I, I can get a part-time job pretty well. Hey, yeah. hey, supplement the income. Fallback plan. In fact, I could pay my way through seminary doing that. I'm sure IPFW in Fort Wayne would love to have a guy from Harvard teach Japanese history. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yay. And uh, I, I had opportunities. I had a, I actually had an opportunity to go spend a year studying in Japan, and it just, things were going nuts with it. And I finally said, okay, this is too much rigmarole. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go straight to seminary. And I walked in, and I told my, my Japanese history prof this. And he says, oh, I've got news, too. I... I've been offered a job at Harvard, and I've taken it. Mm. So I found out I had coattails to ride to Harvard. In fact, uh, when I was at the seminary and would get the, uh, the, the bills for which I had to take out student loans, I would normally grow up saying I could have gotten paid to be – I could be getting paid to grade papers at Harvard right now. And <laughs> but, but you know what? It, it was just there, – there, there were the options. And you know what? If, if I had gone and become a Japanese history professor – would that have been a good and God-pleasing thing? Sure. Yeah. You know what? It didn't happen. So a, a lot of this, of the idea of what does God really want, you don't get to tell beforehand. You tell afterwards. I, that, that, that's just the, we, We're creatures. We're not the creator. We aren't really in charge nearly as much as we want to think we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you've seen, I mean, things just work out, opportunities present themselves that you could have anticipated or accounted for. True. And you know what? That's okay. Because really, I kind of brought this up earlier, God's smarter than we are. <gasps> oh! I, I, I know earth-shattering statements on the Gospel <laughs> God podcast. God is smarter than us. Woo! Breaking. Full story at eight. So, so a lot of... of Growing in the Christian faith is learning to relax and take what God gives to you. Because God will provide opportunities. They might not be things that look like good opportunities at first. They might not be opportunities you want. But God will put you to work loving your neighbor 
wherever you go. Uh, so, does that work? It works. And if you do choose a path that gives you a high-paying job, I highly encourage you to move to, to Trinity Lutheran Church in Hersher, Illinois, at the top. Shameless <laughs> <laughs> plug. I, I, I need to see if, if you're selling cars, I need to see if the, the auto dealership in town is, is hiring. Yeah, I, I for sure. Up here. All right. <laughs> All right. There we go. Okay. We, we, we kind of like took the whole section on, on the Inquisition. We don't have much time left. So let, let's dive in very quickly. And uh, if you would read 17 through 20. That'll work. We'll get some good narrative in. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. All right. Now... Here's some setup. Uh, first of all, what would be the implication that he's been in the tomb four days? He's good and dead. It, 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 it's that's it. There, there, there's no accidental mistake. There's no, no. Oh, we made a mistake. <laughs> he was still alive. <laughs> nope. No, no. After four days, it's he's turning green. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. Second, they're two miles out of Jerusalem, and a lot of the Jews from Jerusalem are coming out to see Mary and Martha. What does that imply about Mary and Martha? They and are, Lazarus, even. if not well-to-do, at least well-respected, well-known. Well this is a... a they're, they're some of the good people, if you want to... I, I had my air quotes up. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're well-respected. They're... they're they're famous people, and not not in terms of celebrity, but but they're well known and well liked. And yeah, Lazarus was a swell. Everyone liked Lazarus. Of course, that guy's the bomb. But now he's dead, mm. or at least will be till the next episode of the <laughs> Gospel Boldly Podcast, which will be more than four days, probably. But down the road, so. right, right. That's only made him wait four days. We're gonna make him make him wait a week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that on that little impious moment, have a good week, everyone. Enjoy. Enjoy.